Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. My name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And I'm so excited because today we have Laura Brandeo. I think I said that correctly. Uh, I'm super excited because, you know, she is a legend in this space. I don't know if she would say that about herself, but she is. And she is a partner over at EPM. She is the CEO of Lighthouse Advisors. She has a whole bunch of other cool things she's done, but I'm gonna let you introduce yourself, Laura. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Luke. It is truly a pleasure to be here. And yes, as you said, I am a mortgage industry veteran. I've been doing it since I was 21 years old, starting off in the telemarketing room, cold calling borrowers for refinancing opportunities. That was how I got my start in the career. You know, went into the operational side. So, you know, ran operations for quite some time, probably another five, seven years. And then after that, I started a wholesale lender. And for 15, years. I was owner, president, and built from scratch, day one, a wholesale lender in the industry. And then two years ago, moved over to EPM, became a partner at EPM. And now we are on a fast track trajectory of growth in the wholesale market. And right now, my day-to-day consists of building out our sister company, which is Lighthouse Advisors, which is building out verticals that tie into mortgage, real estate, and all things integrated to Mm. allow loan officers and companies the abilities to remain very sticky with their borrowers so that we are not transactional. We are not just doing a loan. Let's do more than one thing so you become that safe source advisor for all things having to do with their home. I love it. I love it. And that's fantastic. One, and I know like when you came over, I'm pretty sure you're the one that brought over the hero program sort of thing that you guys have over there. I talk about that all the time. I tell people if they're brokers, like go to EPM. They have this really cool, at least as a hook for you to get in. So I really like that sort of angle. And one of the things we do is we market and we market to the heroes of the community because they tend to have better income, down payments, credit, you know, stuff like that. And they're heroes. Like, you know, who doesn't want to help a hero get a home, right? Yeah, I love that program. Really think that's something that's important for people to understand and know. So you know, thank you for that. That's awesome. Just your perspective. Like, I mean, you started 21. What has kept you in this industry for so long? You know, obviously we've gone through some crazy cycles. We're going through a crazy cycle. What has got you started in the first place and what's kind of kept you in the business so long? Yeah, I mean, how it started was I was a young mom. I actually had my first son, me and my husband had our first son. I was 19 years old. So at that time I was like, all right, I guess I'm staying home because you can't afford daycare. And so after that, I was bored to tears, to be quite honest. I needed to do something in the evening. Well, what can you really do in the evening? You're either working in a store or you were getting on the phone and you were calling people, right? Uh Now, Luke, the funniest part of this story, and it's funny, I was speaking to someone about this yesterday. When I went to get a job at this marketing company back then, I was given an option. The one option was you can sit and answer the calls to a whole bunch of different 800 numbers that were like, you know, this person wants a catalog and this person wants to order something and this person wants to do that. You could wait for the phone to ring or you could call people for a mortgage campaign. 
Now, it's really interesting to me, right? Here I am, this young mom, I'm 21 years old, and I'm given a choice of do I want to wait for something to come or do I want to make something happen? Little did I know that that decision at the age of 21 was the whole start of my entire career. My entire life was all in that one decision Hmm. because I said, I don't want to wait for the phone to ring. That seems boring. I want to make it happen. I didn't have a mortgage at the time. I was 21 years old, right? I didn't have a mortgage. And so I'm like, that seems interesting to figure that out. Now, what kept me? I have to be honest. At one point when I was 29, there was one of those cycles, right? Okay, one of those mortgage cycles where everything was falling apart and everything else. I got out. I left the industry Mm. for about 18 months, right? It brought me back the excitement, the thrill of helping borrowers, the fast pace, like making it happen and being in control of my income. There's not a lot of industries where the harder you work, the bigger the effort that you put in, you can determine if you're going to reach that new income level. I love that. I didn't want someone telling me this is what you're capped at making. I wanted to be able to push myself to focus and to put in the extra work to help families to be able to provide for my family. Mm -hmm. After that, I never looked back. That was it. I jumped out once to say, well, maybe there's another industry. There's no other industry like the mortgage business. I mean, one and the cool thing about the mortgage industry, like you said, is that you really do get to do some cool stuff that you don't get to do in many other industries. Obviously, real estate and mortgage get to basically like help people build wealth, help people get the thing that they want. I mean, it's the American dream to own a home, right? And so that's kind of the thing that everybody wants to do. And yeah, that's got to be pretty fulfilling. You know, if you're doing first time home buyers and, you know, or, or refinances where you're saving them, you know, X amount of money on a monthly yeah. basis, that's really going to change their life. There's a lot of cool things you can do. Obviously, there's the players in this space that can make things not necessarily fun for anybody, you know, if they're doing some sort of like scammy type stuff. But I think overall, most people are in this industry because of that, right? Let me say that a different way. I think most people that stick around in this industry are the people that have that mindset, right? Because a lot of people got into the industry in 2020 and 21 yeah. because of the money. Now, the question is, how many of those people are staying in the industry because there is no money, right? I mean, yes, there's money to be made still in the mortgage industry. Don't get me wrong, but it's not obviously 2020 and 21 where it was falling from the sky. Well, wouldn't you use the same analogy I just said? Those were people that wanted the calls to come to them. Right. Versus the people that were willing to go and get the business. There's the exact analogy, right? The 2020 people, yeah, they were falling off the trees, right? All you had to do was you know, stand with a basket and the people would jump in there, right? Not anymore. Now you actually have to, you know, start your morning with how are you going to set up your day? What are you doing to put your mind in the right place to be able to make sure that you stay on track instead of going, okay, I know there's only 76,000 homes available on the market in the United States right now. Well, we could all sit here and we could focus in on that number and then just say, well, this is why I can't be successful. Or you could say, you know what? I know darn well that I'm going to work three times, 10 times harder than the other person. So it really doesn't matter. All it's going to do is eliminate those people. Right. 100% agree. And one of the things we talk about all the time too is so many people are like, oh, well, I already have a lot of pre-approvals. I just can't get anybody in the contract. I'm like, so what's the alternative? You stop getting pre-approvals? Like, I don't understand the mindset. Like, cool, I get it. Inventory sucks. Rates suck. 
you know, people are saying, oh, the leads are bad. It's, no, it's the market's bad. The leads are not bad. These are the people that would have qualified with flying colors a year or two years ago are all of a sudden no longer, or they're squeaking by, you know, their DTI is a little high. Like those are all the things that that's what defines a market like this is the people that were maybe on the sidelines are now in the game because, you know, super sophisticated buyers are like, well, I'm going to wait because they can, you know, again, we talk about the, uh, the needs based people, right. The diamonds yeah. the whatever the four D's are people always talk about, right. The diamonds, divorce, diapers. I don't remember what the other one was, but you know, it's, that's a lot of what is happening right now is the people that are sort of like in the requirement of buying a home right now, or a lot of first time home buyers are in the market right now, because they don't know any different. They don't know anything about 3% rates because they're in the market now. I have to tell you, I was on a panel at a conference last spring and the panel was all like, you know, people have been in the industry for a very long time, like myself that are executives. And one of the people on the panel said something that really, really like snapped in my brain, right? That I want to share. And what he said was when we came into the industry, I mean, that time when I was refinancing people, the rates had gone from like maybe eight to like six, right? When I got my first home, my first rate was eight and a half on an FHA loan. When I started selling, we were selling 8% with three points, literally three origination, 8%. We didn't know any different. Right. That was the rate. Those were the points. That was what you charged. And at that age, we didn't know anything else. We didn't know that maybe 10 years earlier, the rates were 12%. We didn't know that eventually the rates would be 4%. None of that matters. So, so much of this to exactly what you're saying is we're caught up in our own brain that we just keep saying, well, why would anyone want to give up the 2% rate? Well, that's a good point, right? We're not going to debate that, right? We understand that. But that doesn't mean there is an opportunity. Now, let's go back to those pre-approvals. Here's one of the things that I'm seeing with loan officers with those pre-approvals. They don't stay connected. They're so worried about, oh, well, they can't find anything. They keep getting outbid. You know, so what they do is they ghost them. They yep. just make it so it's like, well, I've got nothing more to say to Jane. So I'm just not going to reach out to Jane anymore. The problem is, is that Jane is still looking for a home. And we all know that if that realtor is going to, you know, show them their mortgage person, you're out of luck because you have no relationship with Jane. Mm -hmm. We understand it's a long play. We understand that relationships take work. Every relationship, whether it's our personal lives or our business lives, but we are missing opportunities if we do not stay connected to these people. Because they eventually are going to buy a home a month, a year, three years. We don't know. But that's your database. And we all know data is king. 100%. And I 100% agree. I talk about this all the time because the unfortunate reality of most loan officers is they're most likely 100% referral based. And so they are not used to having to nurture prospects because guess who does the nurturing? The real estate agent. Because when real estate agents graduate from real estate school, they get told, go work your sphere of influence, right? Go market to the consumer. When a loan officer gets his license and goes to work for a broker, they don't do that. They tell them, go work realtors, real estate agents, right? Why else would the consumer go to the real estate agent? Well, yeah, obviously the house is the sexy part of the transaction. But on the other side of that, It's because they're actually actively working that market. They're working consumers and they're nurturing them. They understand that the sales cycle for mortgage is not 30 days. Most loan officers have this perception that a loan should be a 30-day process. It's like, yes, I get it. From contract to close, you should be able to close a deal within 30 days, 100%. But we're not taking into account the whole buyer cycle 
of what it takes for someone. Like people do not wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to buy a house today. Like, that's just not how this process works. Like you're buying a $400,000 asset. You don't just wake up and say, I'm buying a house in the next 30 days. I'm going to get pre-approved today. I'm going to have a contract tomorrow and I'm going to get closed. It doesn't work. It doesn't happen in this economy either. Right. In this environment and in the, in the inventory shortages, that's not the reality. And even referrals are taking now 90 to 180 days to close. And yeah. so understanding like, Hey, like these are all people that are going to nurture. I mean, you know, we have a loan officer that I was talking to the other day and he's like, man, it, you know, I have 20 people that would have qualified in 21, but don't qualify right now. Well, I don't care. I'm going to work them because I know in a year, but two years, 18 months, whatever, there's going to be opportunities there. And that's so that's exactly the different right. perspective. Whereas again, most people are like, oh, well, they're not ready to buy today. So call me in six months when you're ready. What that makes someone feel like. Of right? course. What is someone feel like, you know, like you're a piece of meat, like you're just a dollar sign, right? All you are that's is a dollar sign. Yep. That's all you are. If I can't make money off you, then you have no value. So if we truly say we stay in the mortgage business because we love what we do, we love changing people's lives, we love helping, we love providing the American dream, we love building generational wealth, right? We know the fastest way to build wealth is through real estate, right? Hands down. Everyone right. knows that, right? This is what we are providing. But how is it that we're scared to bond with people because we feel we don't have the sexy opportunity, right? We don't right. have the opportunity to say to someone, oh, I found this three bedrooms, two bathrooms with a big yard, you know, exactly what you were looking at, looking at the ocean, right? Like, because we feel we don't have that, oh, well, I have mortgage debt. But we know in most cases, they need one to get the other, right? right? And it's funny, there's a, and I don't want to say his name, but I know you know who I'll be speaking about. There's a gentleman that is very, very prominent in the VA space, right? One time I was having a conversation with him and he said to me something. He said, Laura, at the end of the day, taking someone through a mortgage transaction, unless it's a clean, you know, high-end borrower, yes, right. maybe it's easy peasy. But for the most part, there's always some maneuvering that you have to do, right? Mm -hmm. You have to truly understand their why in order to recenter them when yes. something goes wrong. When something goes off track, when you maybe have to tell them, okay, the rate went from this to this, or this changed on the appraisal, or there's repair that's needed, or we're not able to close on this day, we have to close on that day, whatever the situation is, you have to be able to circle them back to that why. Mm -hmm. Why are they buying this home? You know, what is the reason for it? Why are they in this community? So until we truly get great at how to bond and form those relationships, we're just going to keep staying on the roller coaster in yeah. our industry. Well, and to your point, I mean, that's one of the things we train on all the time is this sort of the concept of asking below surface level questions. So we call it second and third level questions, right? So many people will be like, why are you moving? Well, I want to move to a different school district. Okay, cool. Oh, what type of houses do you want to move to, right? That's like logical next question that most loan officers are going to ask, where the real right question to ask, and there's not a right question, but the better question would be, what's so significant about you wanting to move to a new school district? Correct. Because then maybe this person's going to say, our director of training has a boy who has Down syndrome. They adopted yep. a boy who has Down syndrome. And so we intentionally ask this question when we do role plays with loan officers, because we want to get them to understand that like you need to understand that if you don't get beyond the surface level, and I talk about this with my sales team too, but it's just like the surface level stuff doesn't sell anybody, right? Like, yeah, you're going to make some sales. You're going to move people through the process. Those are people that were to bought anyway. Correct. But the way you get people to move is like you said, the why and understanding, okay, well, the reason I want to move to the new school district is because I feel like the school that he's at 
doesn't give the appropriate services for him to really excel. Wow. Now, all of a sudden, you're in the closed period. And you're like, hey, like, you know what? I really, you know, let's get you started. I really want to make sure that we can get you into that new home so that you can be in that new school district so George can be served. Like, let's get the application started right now. All of a sudden, that's so much more powerful than, yeah, let's get you in a new school district. That is what is going to put you together with them forever. Forever. Like, it's not just for that particular loan. It's for that refinance. It's for that other opportunities. And they're going to refer you because, listen, hate to say it, but our entire world is bad at forming excellent relationships. Most is just surface level. It's just what you see on the exterior. It's really not, to use your words, going deeper into that second and third level. When that happens, we remember it. We connect to that. And that is something special and unique that they're going to tell their friend. They're going to tell their coworker. They're going to tell the rest of their family. And it's going to grow that sphere of influence. Interestingly enough, I was a part of a leadership program for a year. And one of the things they talked about is just this concept of like, do you ever remember having a conversation with anybody in your world that made you just feel like you were the only person like right there in front? Like a goosebump for now. Because like there's two or three people off the top of your head that you can be like, oh yeah, this person was really good at, like you can literally think about these people. And it's like, okay, well, how do I do the same thing for others? Like, how do I show up in a way that I'm like, literally I'm going to ask you the questions, not because it's easy, because a lot of these questions are not easy to ask. Like, you know, they are a little bit uncomfortable to ask. That is where trust gets built. And again, if they're referral-based, trust is already referred, right? Get the borrowed trust that comes along with it. But if you're doing your own prospecting, working your own people, maybe they're not people that don't have that trust. Maybe you're working leads, maybe whatever, like you randomly ran into them at a store. Like that's how you build that real high level of trust. And to your point as well, it's like the lifelong clients because I had uh, someone from Monitor Base on the podcast. So he kind of ran through some of the stats and their averages. And he said this, the mortgage industry on average retains their clients at 19%. So 81% of buyers end up working with another loan officer on this transaction. He also said that on average, consumers buy every roughly 11 years. That's kind of their average. And in that time, they also do two refinances. So in 11 years, that's four transactions that most loan officers are not capitalizing on because all they're thinking about is today. They're thinking about, I need to get this transaction done today and I need to find my next transaction for tomorrow. And that what you talked about, I mean, this, this whole conversation has been around like, Work your pipeline, work your sphere, work your pipeline, work your database. Build relationships. I'm telling you, if we take things down to the most basic human factor, the rest is easy. We all know how to do a loan. We know how to put a loan through the AUS. We know how to get it into our system. We know what steps we need. We know how to get a clear to close, right? That's not the hard part, right? Anyone can be taught how to get a loan through the system. The part that's unique and why this is where the type of market where people will run away is that they don't have that basic foundational human relationship. building. I mean, I can tell you that when I was cold calling telemarketing in my brain, all I would think about is how do I make this person that I'm calling feel good at the moment that they pick up that phone? Now, in my mind, I never once thought, how do I get a lead? I never once thought, how do I make a sale? I never thought, you know, how do I get a mark on the board or any of that? It was never about the outcome of what I was trying to get from them. Instead, I always thought to myself, 
What can I give them that will make a difference in their life? Mm. Now, it sounds so basic, but if we could all go into it of what do I have to give you, the rest will fall in line because there's very few to what you said. You said a few moments ago, there's probably only less than a handful of people that we truly can think of that makes us feel that they are 100% present with Mm. us and tuned in and care about what we're saying instead of thinking about how they're going to respond to what I'm saying. Yeah, so many times in sales, we ask questions for the purpose of being a sale. And I talk about this all the time. One, when I talk to my sales team, but then also when I talk to loan officers is, do you remember to serve people, right? Talk about the commission breath a lot of times when people can pick up on commission breath, right? They know if you're desperate for the sale, right? And so it's like detachment from the sale is one of the most powerful tools that you can build in sort of like your sales you know, repertoire is having that detachment from outcome. Because yeah, at the end of the day, that is what we should be doing. And in my opinion, so many people have a bad connotation around sales, mostly because sales historically has been you push people into a product that they shouldn't necessarily be in, right? That's Correct. why people don't like sales. But the truth is sales is identifying a problem and then showing them the solution to the problem. If it's your solution, great. If not, whatever, that is what it is. That's what I right. believe is ethical sales is. And I do think you should pressure someone if you do believe that it's the right time for them to buy, you know, if all the things match up. But most people are so scared to do that because like, well, you know, I'm just going to educate them or I'm going to whatever. And it's like, cool, like you should educate them 100%. Should be an advisor 100%. But you do how many more transactions a year than these people do? Like, you know, the market, you know, the value of the cost of waiting, you know, the value of appreciation, you know, that, you know, historically real estate has gone up, right? Like there's not a lot of ways you can lose in real estate unless you plan on buying and selling in a year. That's the only time where you can maybe, you know, lose if you do it the wrong way. If you hold long enough, you're most likely going to make money. So that's a big thing there. And to kind of go back to your conversation around cold calling, I think one of the best things anybody can do is do cold calling. I agree. I think it sucks. Like I I don't want to do cold call. It's a muscle you get to build. And I think the people that came in in the 2020, 21 markets probably are struggling a lot right now, most likely just because it's like, it went from being super easy to being super hard. And it's like, whoa, what do I do? Right. Because I thought I was good. And now all of a sudden I realize I'm not, and I think it applies to everybody because even people that had good systems prior to 2020 and 21, all of a sudden we're like, oh yeah, this is easy. I'm the freaking king, including myself. Looks like a genius when that's happening. Right. All the crypto people were geniuses until they weren't crazy, crazy stuff. I wanted to talk as well around it's leadership is obviously key when it comes to being an executive, but also yeah. the fact that you built, I don't know if you sold it, but that you built a company from scratch. I mean, that right there is a testament to your leadership skills, to obviously persistence. For anybody who's on this, that's listening to this and has never built like their own business. I know most loan officers are, you know, I would really consider them little micro businesses and sometimes real businesses, depending on how they treat their business. But if you've never done stuff like that and managed multiple people, that is a skill set that it's hard. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I've, hard. I've been doing this for four and a half, five years that I've had my business. And the hardest part of all of it is learning how to manage people, all the different mentalities, all the different drama, holding them accountable versus micromanaging them, like kind of finding the balance, all of those things. What is your sort of perspective around leadership and how can someone become a good leader you know, in this space? 
Well, it's very interesting because when I did that, you know, I was in my early 30s. So I didn't know what I didn't know at certain points, right? So I was kind of like, I thought the answer, honestly, my mistake when I first started the company, because I grew the company to 500 employees, right? But when it was just me and a handful of people, my biggest mistake was I had everything revolving around me. That's a traditional rookie move, right? As a leader. Well, I can do it faster. I can do it better. I can do it easier, whatever. Huge mistake. And the other lesson that I learned very much so in the beginning, if I was going to say what were the mistakes that I learned doing that, is thinking that people had to do things like me. Mm. One of the most valuable things of being a leader and having a team is that you get unique perspectives and unique skills in each team member that you have. So never, ever, a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, I'm frustrated because Janie over there, you know, she doesn't do it this way. Actually, maybe Janie does it better. And even if Janie doesn't do it as fast, or maybe she does it in her own style, maybe it's a coaching opportunity to be able to meld the two together to pick up the highest level of efficiency or the most, the best way to actually accomplish that. Now, I can tell you when I built the company, June of 07, what market were we in then? Fun fun time. (laughs) That was a fun time to build a business. Now, again, look at where we are now. Right. Years from now, we'll be speaking about 22, 23, probably 24. Right. In the same way, different situation, but we'll be referencing a difficult market. Right. Sure. Now, I believe personally that down markets or complicated markets are the best opportunity to Mm -hmm. pivot change, grow, modify, go and jump into something. I think those are the greatest opportunities, if you ask me, right? I have always seen the biggest successes in my career have always been in the worst markets, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, to think of what happened though, during that time, subprime was crashing and I opened up an FHA-only wholesale lender. One product, one product down to a 500 credit score. Now, the thing is, it was perfect timing because everybody was going out of business, right? Sure. I can still remember the day that Taylor Bean and Whitaker went out of business, right? TB&W, right? If you remember that sure. story with the double noting. So the day they went out of business, I was one of the only wholesale lenders doing manufactured homes. Literally back in that day, you had paper files. Sure. I had truckloads of files outside my office. Because they were like, oh, my God, we don't know where to put these manufactured homes. And I was like, right here, just back the truck up. This is exactly who you want to give them to. So you have two ways of looking at things, right? You look at it as, oh, my God, this is such a difficult market. And you've got this problem and this problem. I personally think blinders are a beautiful thing. In this market and in this digital age that we live in, I have to tell you, I preferred 07 at that time. You know why? There was no distraction. Like literally, there wasn't as much communication happening. It was survival mode. Right. Similar to now. But the difference now is that all over social media, everybody's telling everyone how terrible everything is and how we're never going to make it. And you've got this lawsuit and you've got this company going out of business. And because of that, the only thing we had at that time was that website, the Implodometer. Implodometer, yeah. (laughs) When you're doing something like this market, focus 
and keeping out distractions is going to be pivotal. Now, something like this with what you're doing, listening to podcasts, reading things that are going to give you insights and valuable information, you should be doing that every single day. Those types of things feed your brain what is going to help you stay focused and on track. But keep away from all the nonsense and the drama because those people that are spending time focusing in on that, they're only looking for you to fail. They are not looking for you to win. Partner and listen and be guided by the people such as you, Luke, of what you're doing in a positive way because that other stuff is just going to get your mind into a downturn. Yeah, 100%. Well, I'm, you know, controlling what you can control. I mean, and funny enough, my old boss used to say this to me back when I was an AE and he's like, control what you can control. He used to make me so mad. And then I I started my own business. At the time, I wasn't into personal development and all that kind of stuff. So I started my business and you pretty much have to be into personal development if you want to stay in business. Because, you know, being a business owner is not for the faint of heart. Let's just say that. We talk about this all the time because like people talk about race, people talk about inventory. And you're right. Like you shouldn't put your head in the sand and pretend it doesn't exist. But worrying about things that you can't control is really not a good thing to do because unfortunately it's going to be unimportant. It's not something you can control. And the only things you can really control is the mind, you know, who you hang out with, who you talk to, right? And we talk about maybe you have to work three times harder, right? Maybe you got to work three times. Maybe it's five times harder, right? We don't know because the market is going to determine what it takes in this market to win, right? It doesn't matter what your opinion is. It doesn't matter what you did in 2020, 2021. It doesn't matter, like, because this market is going to determine what it's going to take. I mean, on Alex Romesi talks about that. It's what it takes versus what you think it takes, right? It doesn't matter. What it takes is all it takes. Whether that be maybe you have to have, you know, 300% more pre-approvals to close half the business. Maybe. So be it, right? You know, yeah. it's like, it's what it is. You just got to do the work that's required to win. Nothing's off the table. Meaning, like, if you get an idea that you want to try something, whether it's creating a podcast, whether it's doing videos, whether it's writing blogs, whether it's mailing things to people's homes, whatever it is, do it. Do it. Be consistent about it. I mean, Luke, my God, don't even get me started with how lack of consistency that I see in our industry. I'm telling you, if you want to know how to win, just stick with it. Because so many times we look for the shiny object and we start going in that direction, but then we stop. What is that telling others? It's telling others that, yeah, I start things, but yeah, I'm not going to stick with it. I'm not going to stay with it through the hard. I'm not going to actually keep doing videos or I'm not actually going to keep doing Instagram posts. I'll do it when I feel like it. Well, guess what? You're telling everyone out there. That's how you work. That's right. what you do. Is that really who you are? Agreed. I mean, people honor consistency and being consistent is the key. You're right. I mean, most people like they try something they're like, oh, I did it for 90 days and it didn't work. It's like, you did it for 90 days. And that is your, like, you become a loan officer and you did that for 90 days and say, you know what? Being a loan officer didn't work. When you put it in that perspective, you're like, you didn't become a good loan officer in 90 days. Why would you get good at any of these other things? Why would you get good at video? Why would you get good at converting online leads? Why would you get good at podcasting? Like, it doesn't happen that way. That's not how skills are built, right? And I think we get so caught up in this idea that like, oh, it should be easy. Even for myself, I know how to run Facebook and Instagram ads. I'm over here trying to mess around with YouTube and Google ads. I'm like, what is going on? This sucks. I'm not doing that anymore. And it's like, it's just a different platform that operates in a different way. And so it's just like, yeah, you start to kind of get frustrated because like, I, you know, I just want to go back to what I was doing before. And the truth is like, yeah, maybe that works. It's hundred percent cool because like, I'm a big proponent of do what works for you. But again, it comes down to consistency. If you talk to anybody, like there's probably someone still making 
something like Craigslist work, right? I mean, who knows? But, you know, there could be. But, you know, again, there's people that are doing mailers. People say mailers are dead. Plenty of success with mailers. All of these different platforms, Facebook organic, TikTok, Real, all these types of things. You know, I'm seeing a lot of people do that. But again, you're right. I mean, most people do that. You know, I was at the AIM Fuse conference in 2019 and Gary Vee gets up on stage and is like, I remember. You should all be doing, you know, a bajillion things. And, and I'm always like, a lot, right? What was his number? It was, it was like 40 pieces a day or something like that. 40 pieces of content a day. And I'm like, all right, get it, Gary. Like, you're saying this. To a certain extent, I agree. You should be doing more. But telling a loan officer to do 40 pieces of content when they're not even consistently doing one piece of content a day is bad advice, in my opinion. You know, again, I know he's very, very general and he talks to all kinds of people. I just think that's bad advice. I always just tell people, pick one platform, be consistent with it, whether it's three times a week, three times a day, whatever it is, just be consistent. Like if it's one time a week, do it one time a week, but do it every single week. And then all of a sudden you're going to build that muscle. And all of a sudden it's two times a week. And now all of a sudden you're building that with us three times a week, four times a week. Now you're getting engagement. Now people are starting to like your stuff. Oh, but it comes from consistency. I tell people with organic social media, if you haven't done it before, it's probably going to take you six months, if not longer. And it depends on how consistent you are, how good you are engaging with people and things like that. Right. But yeah, I mean, let's, I guess we'll just talk about that a little bit. I mean, I know you're pretty active on social media. It's actually, you mentioned it. So how that happened, 2018, was the okay. very first time that I ever spoke on stage at okay. the first AIM conference. Okay. So I get up, I do that. And after I get off the stage, I had a line of women waiting to speak to me. So I'm like, what is this about? Right? Like, why did they want to speak to me? And they're like, Laura, we never see women executives on stage. All mm-hmm. we see is men. Like yep. we never see women executives. So I'm like, okay, I am doing things wrong. If we're not seeing this, well, then I need to be one of the people that they see. So on that date, I literally made a promise that I would start a social media presence. Mm. And to your point, I post consistently Monday through Friday, every single week, doesn't matter, holidays, whatever it is, I post every single day, Monday through Friday. And I can tell you, Luke, I can go to any mortgage conference doesn't matter if I know the people or not, they know who I am sure. from that digital presence. Parasocial relationships is powerful when you are willing to put yourself out there. Video is huge, but I grew my organic presence mostly through just posts. Like I didn't do a ton of videos for a long time. I do a lot now, but you know, in the past, I just did a bunch of, I just got good at doing long form posts. But I would write these long posts, but it would be vulnerable posts, talking about struggles that I went through, you know, talking about my family, posting family pics, things like that. And I remember someone saying, like, I feel like I know you. Like, I feel like I know your family. It was like, we were eating crickets. I think we were in Orlando. We were eating, like, these little crickets that they had sold at one of the little stores there. So it was interesting. And it's like that right there was a kind of like a good aha moment of like, okay, well, this is powerful. And people notice it's when you're consistently, right? And so social media is tough because obviously, like, they want you to stay on the platform. So you can go down these rabbit holes. We talked about the why at the beginning of the podcast. I feel like you really have to have a why when it comes to posting organically as well. And, you know, we had Kyle Draper on here. He talks about like your people need you. I always typically talk about like, do you need to have a reason for why you're doing this? Because like after a certain point, you start to get like, I don't want to do this anymore. But then you start to see the DMs and people are like, man, I really appreciate the posts that you've been putting out there lately, like that type of stuff. It's okay. Well, and the other thing too, is most people go on social media and they present the best life ever. So I've always been a big proponent of just like, I talk about the hard stuff, like not always while I'm going through the hard stuff, but I talk about the lessons learned from the hard stuff in retrospect. And people love it because a lot of times people are going through hard things. Like right now, most of the industry is going through hard right now. 
right? You know, I'd wager a very large you know percentage of people are going through some hard things right now. Overall, and not even just the industry in general, this you know this the type of environment that causes that. And so making people feel comfortable is like, hey, other people are going through the same things really does sort of set you up. And then it creates you as a thought leader and things like that as well. So there's a lot of benefits to it personally. But on the other side, I even think really some of those DMs is like a lot of the reasons why I, I still do the posting because it really comes down to like, that's where I feel the best. Like that's like, you know, a little bit of the selfishness of the posting is like, I want people to have that feeling because I know what it's like. And I've gone through some dark times. And so I talk about it because I'm like, I know what helped me during the dark times was being able to talk to people. Of course. I've actually thrown that out there to people like, hey, if you're having some struggles right now, hit me up. Let's chat. Like, I don't jump on a Zoom. I'll talk. I don't care. Like, I'm not going to try to sell you anything. I'm not a coach or whatever. Not perspective. So don't feel like I'm going to sell you on life coaching or something crazy like that. But it just comes down to like, I'm passionate about helping people grow. I know personal development has changed my life and how important that is to have a good mindset and all that sort of stuff. But again, I still have the ups and downs. And so social media has good outlet for showcasing a lot of that. So from that perspective, like, how do you stay active? How do you say consistent? Like, do you have a process behind it? Do you have a, I do. what's that looking? So, I mean, how it all started, to be honest, was with this silly motivational Monday video. Okay. So I decided to start off with tying it to a day because okay. then I was forcing myself to always have something on a Monday. That was mm -hmm. how it started. Now, my thought behind it, and I started it in September of 2019, that particular okay. thing. And every single week, we do a video outside somewhere, right? Now, it's actually funny. I spend half the year in Arizona and then yeah. half the year in New Jersey, right? Okay. People think I live in Arizona because a lot of times when I'm out there, I will pre-record like probably like two months worth of sure. videos because it's so much easier to record things out there because the backgrounds are so pretty, right? Yeah, well, but there's not snow part of the year. Exactly. It's not sneezing and all the leaves are off the trees and it's gray. Right, you know, nobody right. wants to really see that part. Yeah. They want to see the beautiful sun and, and everything yeah, else. But by doing that and tying it to a schedule, it forced me to come up with a system. Hmm. So what I do is every Sunday, I pre-plan my entire week. So I have Monday through Friday, every single social media post that's going to be done. I have the written up, I have video if it is, whatever it is, I have it pre-planned. And then me and my husband are a tag team. So my husband, early in the morning, like seven o'clock every morning, he does all of my posting for me. Okay. So nice. I'm the one responding to comments and stuff like that. He doesn't do that, but he handles editing of the videos. He handles the posting of the videos. And we've been doing this, like I said, for years now that it's just a rhythm. But if I waited, if I didn't pre-plan that, and I started my day and I open up my email and I have all these emails coming in from my company and things that are going on, I'm going to be like, oh, I don't have time to post, right? right? I'm busy. I'm focused on closing this loan. I'm focused on working on something. So I'm going to get distracted. Mm -hmm. So I've learned that it's best for me to do all my planning for the week on a Sunday. And then that way, I don't even have to think about it. It gets posted in the morning. And then I just respond to any comments or activity that happens. Gotcha. When it comes to like video stuff, right? Are you recording the videos on that Sunday? Or are you blocking off time outside of that? Record these videos. Just curious. So I pre-record them. So generally speaking, I'm doing them maybe a week in advance, two weeks okay. in advance. So I pre-record them. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'm just curious because that's what I do as well. 
from the perspective of video content, you know, talk about distraction. You can't be distracted. It's got to be quiet. Like, so you need that. So I, now I do every Friday afternoon, I have my video guy come out. He's, you know, he drives down here. We do shooting for a couple hours. We brainstorm all that kind of stuff. But I'm also realizing now I just launched a YouTube channel. I'm realizing how much more, how much more work, you know, scripting out a YouTube uh, video is and things like that. So now I'm really having to block out. So I do my Fridays. So that's for content filming. So now I'm having to figure out, or yeah. when do I block off, you know, a couple hours to script out the video, come up with the idea. So that's part of the process I'm going through now. But yeah, I mean, blocking time, even for this podcast, traditionally, I've only done Fridays. I just recently opened up Wednesdays as well to do these because I was starting to get stuff stacking up on top of the Friday. So I was like, all right, well, I'll open up Wednesdays as well. But that's again, because when I first started the podcast, I had an open schedule. And so I'd be like on a sales call. And then I'd be like on a training call with my team. And then I'd be on a podcast. And then I'd be like, you know, doing something. So it was like too much. It was like all over the place. It was like switching from thing to thing. So I really try to sort of create some coherence in my calendar with some time blocks and things like that. So I was just kind of curious around like, I mean, that's a really good point for people to understand what works best for them. Right. Mm -hmm. So that for you, you've realized that you have to kind of get your head in the game, focused on this. And instead of bouncing from one to the other, you now have more of a structure, right? right? So that's, one of those things that everyone should make that determination of what works best for them. Like even me for the example, I know I can't record videos Monday through Friday. Like that doesn't work for me. I have to be focused on my business, right? Growing my business and being successful. So I know that's a weekend chore. You know, that's something that has to be allocated on a weekend in preparation. But again, you said as a business owner, listen, most loan officers, I don't care if you work for a big bank, you're a broker, you're an entrepreneur. You are an entrepreneur. And as an entrepreneur, you have to plan ahead for your business. You should already have your plan of how many people you're reaching out to. Like I was on a call a couple hours ago, we were speaking about our holidays, right? And I said to the young lady, what are you sending out to your past and current clients? And she's like, oh, I haven't. I'm like, it's time. Like right Right. now is the time that you should already know what you're sending, how you're sending it, how fast it's going to get there. What is the plan, right? We need to have those things in place because those are missed opportunities. If we Mm -hmm. didn't send them something for the holidays, I don't care if it's a handwritten note, if it's a holiday card, or if it's an actual present. We need to never miss that opportunity. Those are the things that are givens. Those are easy. And one other thing before we get off of the digital, guys, everyone out there, I don't care what position you hold. I don't care how, if you're new to the business, been in the business forever, you have to have a good digital presence. Because at the end of the day, anyone that is thinking of doing business with you is going to look you up before they ever think of doing business. So if you do not have, you know, a way for them to look at your LinkedIn, look at your Facebook, look at your Instagram, your webpage, whatever it is, your reviews, if you don't have those credentials, they are going to pass you by. So I don't care who you are. I don't care what your marketing strategy is. You have to have a great digital presence, whatever that looks like for you. It's a must. It is not an option. Yeah, I agree. I think in 2023, it is a given. It's a must. I and mean, we think about this, like we live in an era. If you've ever read the book, Never Lose a Customer Again, he talks about sort of the Amazonization of the expectations around client support, stuff like that. But one of the things, you know, we talk about is like, all right, 
we live in a world where reviews are important because we got Yelp, we got yeah. Amazon, like that's super important. But then, yeah, I agree. Like that's almost not enough anymore. I don't remember who I was talking to. I wish I remember, but it was a lady and she said something like, yeah, my daughter told me that she can't refer me business unless I got active on social media. Cause like, I'm not going to like, what, I'm gonna give them your cell phone number to call you or text you. Like, that's not going to work. Like you have to have social media. And I was like, wow, like that was crazy. Cause it was someone who had been in the business for probably 20, 30 years too. And so I think that's huge uh, when it comes to that. Like, again, you don't have to be the person that's everywhere all the time, but like showcase who you are as a human and be there. I mean, you know, at the very least, at least have them set up and have posted some content at some point, because the other thing about these websites is that they have very high domain authority Correct. from SEO perspective. I mean, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. 100%, right? LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, they all have much higher domain authority than like your website. Most likely your website is going to rank below those unless you've done a ton of SEO. They're going to literally rank below a lot of those listings because again, they're massive sites. They're indexed within Google. And so they're going to show up at the top. And so if you don't have those things, like, do you exist? And the amount of times that I Google loan officers and you can't literally find what they are, who they are, you know, anything about them, like at all, at all, like you should be able to easily look yourself up. And see and what you should look yourself up yeah, all the time. Like periodically, make sure you're looking yourself up. Yep. It's yep. very, very valuable to know. Like I scroll through literally pages to see, okay, there I am there like this, because I want to know if someone else does, what are they seeing? Sure. Well, and then also like, you know, you get to see if there's anything bad that's being posted or, you know, any bad reviews or things like that. Right. So it is important from time to time. I don't do it as often as I probably should, but you know, at the same time, like, you should be doing it. You should be posting consistently. You know, you should be showcasing who you are because people are attracted to people that are similar to them. To sort of try to wrap things up a little bit, yeah. I always like to give some sort of like a tactic or strategy or one way that loan officers can go out there today and generate business. Obviously, we're here. It's almost the end of November 2023 as we're recording this. What would you say is like that one thing a loan officer could do today what you would do if you were to become a loan officer again to go get business right now? I have to tell you, I am all about relationships. I would say there is no magic potion. Of course there not. Is no yeah. magic wand that is going to make something magically appear. We all know what needs to be done, right? We know the basic foundational of the more action and the more execution that we do, the more results that is going to happen. Sure. So go through that database. Get closer. My God, you know what the best part about a new year or the holiday season? It's a wonderful time to reach out to people. This is a time where the defenses are down, where you can reach out to anyone, someone you did business with five years ago or someone you spoke to five minutes ago. Now is the perfect time to celebrate a new year, to celebrate the holiday season and to check in and see what's going on. So don't miss those opportunities. Make it happen. Forget about this season. This will be the season for the future also. Those are the seeds. And it's not about that individual. That Mm. one person has a sphere of influence that once you bond that connection, it multiplies. So don't just look at someone as a dollar sign. Truly make that connection and take action. Most important thing. Yeah, I mean, I think especially right now, I mean, it sucks to say it. I mean, I guess it doesn't suck to say it. I mean, that's the reason why you know, the people that are the most successful in this world, there's not as many of them as there are 
the broke people, but you know, it takes work. Unfortunately, it takes work to do big things. And again, I mean, you know, so many people are like, well, I'm doing all the stuff and I'm still not getting traction. I'm like, well, are you doing all the stuff? Like, really? Are you doing, I mean, and the story, I mean, I always tell a story. Alex Hermosi talks about the time where he was starting his gym. And he talks about how he talked to a mentor. The mentor told him, oh yeah, we're sending out flyers. That's how we're growing the business. So he's like, cool. So he goes, he sends out, I think he said like something like 3000 flyers or something like that, or 300 flyers maybe. And the guy calls him back. He's like, hey, like, you know, how's it going? And Alex was like, man, it's not working. Da, da, da. I basically only got one call of some guy yelling at me. He's like, well, what was your test size? Was the guy asked him, what's your test size? He's like, test size? I'm the test size. I sent it out to 300 people. And he's like, 300 people or 3,000, whatever it was. He's like, we don't even send anything out and test less than, I think he said like 10,000 or I don't remember the exact numbers, but basically it was a big number. He's like, we send 50,000 flyers a month out. Mm-hmm. So like the whole concept of like, Maybe it's not just 2x or 3x effort. Maybe it's 50x to put in. We don't know, right? Like, we don't know what the actions are. Like, maybe it's, hey, are you calling 100 people a week? Maybe you got to call 500 a week. Maybe you got to call 100 a day. I don't know. Right with the one more. Yeah. If you always go in with the concept of just do one more, one more of whatever, right? If my goal is 100, then do 101, right? And then the next day, do 102 and just do one more. At the end of the day, we have become complacent in our Mm -hmm. industry. 20 and 21 really hurt us as an industry because we all thought we were geniuses. We were making all this money and we were all this success. And we thought it was all because of us, Right. right? And maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But right now is going to be the test of the people that are really able to put in that effort and time and execution. Because if you stick around, and you do it right, you will have a very long season that will be fruitful. Sure. And women's leading versus lagging indicators concept, right? So many people Correct. are so focused on lagging indicators, lagging measures, which is ultimately the results that we're looking for. If you're able to put in the work, right? You're sowing the seed right now. Yeah. You may not harvest for the next six or 12 months, but you're going to harvest at some point, right? And so it all comes down to continue to do the actions that you know are getting you the results. Again, I mean, you know, I'm not saying do something forever that sucks and doesn't work, right? Like, that's not what I'm saying at all. But I would wager 99% of people give up far before they've reached that point of, oh, well, this actually doesn't work. And so appreciate you, man, so much. This has been a fantastic conversation today. If someone wanted to learn more about you, EPM, you know, any of the programs that you do, I know you also do a lot of coaching and things like that as well. Where can people find more about you, EPM, Uh anything so okay. LinkedIn, Facebook, anything, epmwholesale.com is for all of our different programs that we're offering in the wholesale channel. And okay. we'd love to certainly, if you're not doing business with us, we would certainly love to and be there love to it. serve. Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, every time I talk to a broker that hasn't been signed up with EPM, I say, hey, like they got this really cool down payment assistance program. My buddy Enrique Braunschweiger told me about that program way back in the day. And he's like, yeah, you got to tell all your brokers about this. So I, every time I do. because yeah, he is great. He's a good, awesome guy. So thank you so much. For me, the biggest takeaways from this podcast was, I mean, you talk about it, consistency, right? You yes. started in the industry as a cold caller. And, you know, I think that has served you, you know, throughout your entire career, just having that idea that you got to go out and get the business. You got to go out and do the work versus just kind of being handed things. So I think consistency was a big thing. And then obviously, you know, social media these days, a requirement. And especially if you can tie it to something that is important, like you said, I mean, you have a why for why you do it. Do you think you need to start with a why? Because that's what's going to keep you consistent with anything, really anything that you do in life, 
if you don't have a deep enough why, you're going to give up on it, right? So I was going to say, at some point, it'll get difficult enough that you give up. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about that even with business, we got to find a why that also, you know, as a leader, you got to find a why that you can sell to your team too. That's not just like, well, I want to do this for my kids or my family or my husband, because like, yeah, cool. That's your good why for you. But like, if you're a leader of people, like that can't be the why for the entire business because they don't care about that. They don't care about it. Yeah, they do, but they don't. Define vision, right? You have that clearly defined vision that everybody gets yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. 100%. So yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. For anybody who is listening, if you are looking for some strategies on flipping the status quo on real estate agents, go to flipthestatusquo.com. Thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for listening. And have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans on Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.